And now, live from ID Studios in Tucson, Arizona, it's... Dear Friends and Family. 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 Dear Friends and Family, how are you? Dear Friends and Family, welcome to Session 5. Session 5! <laughs> Man, do we have an absolutely powerful show for you today. Oh my goodness. You know, Lex can't leave the house, and the wonderful, amazing woman that I interviewed can't leave her house either. So I got the opportunity to go to her home, which is, you know, probably about an hour away from here. Yeah. And I got to go sit in her beautiful garden surrounded by amazing flowers and beautiful birds and all of her lovely animals running around. She has lots of dogs. And so every now and then you're going to hear a dog barking or birds chirping. It's really, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. And I can't wait to go back. Patty came home with this amazing, amazing, amazing interview. I wanted to say thank you, Jan, so much. I can't say it enough. This interview is absolutely powerful for me. And so without further ado, I would like to introduce... Jan, a beautiful woman. I just wanted to die. I didn't really feel motivated to kill myself. I just wanted to not wake up. Just not wake up ever again. I understand again. that feeling. And people at work were very concerned. One of the doctors pulled me aside. One of the cardiologists I was working on a cardio floor handed me a prescription for Prozac. He said, Jan, you don't have to live like this. Nice. Didn't even, you know, it wasn't even his problem. Yeah. I didn't feel it, of course, but it cracked open the window a little bit, and, and I was like praying, like, God, please help me. I don't know what to do, you know. And everybody kept saying I needed professional help, and finally it, it dawned on me that I kept asking God what to do, and my sponsor and my sponsor's sponsors and my friends at work, and probably at least five people that I, whose opinions I valued had told me to get professional help. It dawned on me that might be my answer. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Just I maybe. Did, I didn't want that answer. That wasn't the right well, answer, yeah. you know, so I wasn't hearing it. I had to hear it over and over again before I could, like, go, oh, I guess I'm supposed to get professional help. It's funny because I think that's one of, like, Lex's biggest pet peeves with me is that I kind of sometimes have to hear the same thing over and over and over again until I get it. I'm that way. It just, it takes. Yeah. It just takes what it takes. It takes what it takes. And yeah. I. And, but, you know, then we get other issues really quickly and, and our partners won't. Yeah. You know, so it's just. Yeah. It's just individuals. Balance. Yeah, it's just individuals. Anyway, I did get, I was lucky to find a, just a really excellent psychiatrist. I had five trials that were just, it was horrible trying to find the right medication. You know, just yeah. five Five trials before I got on the one I'm on now, and I will not part with this one. Now, I have to say, when I fell in love with Bruce, my endorphins were so high mm -hmm. that I thought I wasn't depressed anymore, and I stopped taking my antidepressant for, oh gosh, probably eight months, and I was fine. But then when he had to go back to Tucson and left me alone in Sacramento, and I got the flu, and... I was working on a horrible floor in a hospital where they were very hostile work environment kind of situation, and, and I became depressed again, just as bad as before. And, uh, and I knew what I needed. I knew I needed to get back on my meds, you know, and I did. And I'd never have gotten off of them again. Cause mine don't have any side effects that bother me. They don't cause me any sexual problems, and they don't cause me any kind of weird side effects. They don't feel like I have anything on board at all, except that I feel happier. Able and, to cope. Uh, and <laughs> able to cope. Yeah. And everything isn't hopeless. Right. Everything isn't doomed. It isn't like before, it's like, what's the use? It's all hopeless anyway. And that's not self-pity. That's depression. Right. You know, we were misinformed. Exactly. And it wasn't out of hostility. It was out of a desire to help. But we were misinformed. You know, you can get self-pitying with it. Mm -hmm. And I have sometimes because it sucks. But usually not because I know I don't want to be that kind of person and I don't want to go there. I want to be 
a person who can get things done, mm-hmm. who can live. Yeah. Fine, like pissed enough toads. Right? Mm. I know. I went through the same thing. Did you? Oh, yeah. How many? How many people have I slept with? Oh, hell, I don't <laughs> even know that number. I wouldn't expect you to remember. I can't remember. How many did you marry? Uh, I didn't marry. I was engaged twice. Oh, I married. It's like if I slept with them, I married them. Every woman in my family had been married. I'm going to go out that way. I love you. Adios. Watch your head on the branches. You're such a good guy. Every woman in my family had been pregnant and married when they were teenagers. I sort of vowed to myself that wouldn't happen. Right. So I held off on the marriage thing. Good for you. Well, you know, I think it was... It took me a long time to understand why I kept getting married uh, the way I did. But I think... It just came from being kicked out of the house so young and really not being nurtured before then. And uh, just a desire to have some love and nurturing of my own and call that a family. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to have that. And I mean, it wasn't even in the forefront because if it had been, I could have blown holes in it with the kind of people I was choosing. But, you know, it was sort of in the back. For Lex and I, like, he was... Looking for somebody to love. Mm-hmm. Not even to love him. He was looking for somebody to, to love. love. Someone. And I was looking for someone to love me. Well, a lot of relationships are like that. Mm-hmm. Bruce needs, it's kind of weird I got disabled because Bruce took care of his mom. Mm-hmm. And he took care of her till she died. Yeah. He's always taking care of somebody. And now he's taking care of me. And <laughs> but I can sense and see that it makes him happy. Yeah, and it does. so they, that's they what love makes it. it a magical yeah. match. That's right. You know, it, 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 that's right. It's, it's perfect. Okay. It and in fact, happy. I do nurture him when he needs it. He just doesn't need it as much as I do, or ask for it as mm-hmm. much as I do, or unconsciously ask for it, or whatever. But you know, I'll rub, I'll rub his back, or you know, mother him, or bring him stuff. But probably the scale would be like this. You right. Know? <laughs> he's always taking care of me says it's his job. <laughs> and you have always needed somebody to take care of you in that loving way, not right. because of not anything because else. I can't take care of myself. Right, but because... But because that part had been missing. Yeah. Very, yeah. very much. Tell me how this illness started for you. How were you diagnosed? How, oh, that like, was a nightmare. I want to hear that story. That is a hard story, but here we go. On, the, on September 11, 2009, I was leaving work after hours. I was managing the surgery at Holy Cross Hospital. Mm-hmm. Very active career. At this point, I was a very active woman. I'm still swimming five times a week. I'm walking every day. I'm hiking. I'm managing the surgery. Oh, I've, you know. I, I saw you yeah. back then. I mean, when you walked into a room, there was a very commanding presence. Like yeah, you were, happening. Yeah, you were happening. You know. And so I left work that night after dark, and the man... The, the maintenance guys had, it's just a little country hospital. There's just one light bulb over the door, and it was out. And so I could see solar lights leading to the employee parking lot, so I thought, I'm fine. Other than that, it was a very dark night. No moon, uh, cloudy, no stars. I was just striding out. I had my um, my little pull-along briefcase, and uh, I had uh, a vase of roses that Bruce had brought to work for me from the garden. And the next thing I knew, I'm on my back in the grass. I had hit a big concrete slab, like the top of an outdoor bench that workmen had left on the sidewalk in, in the dark. And oh my. I was going full tilt. And these things are like, you know, this thick. I hit that, flew into the air, landed in the grass to the side of the sidewalk. Oh my. And knocked myself out, apparently. So anyway, I came to, and I'm on my back, and I've got blood all over me because the glass face had shattered, and I had glass all embedded in my hands and stuff, and and I didn't know what had happened, and I realized what had happened, and I realized I was between shifts, and that I could lie there for a very long time, two or three more hours before people would start leaving, and I didn't want to do that. It's cold and wet, you know? Yeah. So I got up. And I took myself into the ER, and it was very dramatic looking. You know, all this blood and dirt and everything. <laughs> it looked like I got mugged or something. 
you know, but they were mostly obsessed with my hand, which had a lot of glass in it. And they weren't too obsessed with the rest of me. So they treated the hand, and I was released back to work in a month. But my back, which has been damaged many times before, got thoroughly undone by that fall. And something else happened during that fall. Because as the months went by from September, I began to have more and more pain in my arms and my legs, and I was so tired. And we were a very busy unit. And I had a lot of responsibility and a lot of, I was a floor surgical nurse as well as the manager. I was a working manager, so I had a lot of on my plate and I wasn't getting it done. I'm sure when they went through my records after I left, they probably found lots of stuff they weren't happy with that just wasn't done. But I couldn't do it. And I didn't understand why I couldn't do it. And I was just so exhausted. And I was supposed to be running a GI lab every Thursday out of there where they, we do GI scopes and uppers and lowers and all that stuff. And, and it's a real busy, fast-paced day. And I f remember one day just sitting in one of the chairs after the patients had all left, just devastated. And my coworkers are all talking about going out and what they're going to do after work. And I'm like, aren't you guys tired? <laughs> and they'd look at me, not like you're tired. It was different. This kept up, and the pain kept up, and it was very difficult. And what happened was in December 16th, I woke up and I could not move my arms. My arms just hung like they were paralyzed. I couldn't move them. And so my husband helped me get dressed because I couldn't move my arms. And they hurt really bad. And we went to St. Mary's ER and found out that I had indeed shuffled my back a lot with that fall. And I had herniated disc. I had swollen um, spinal tissue here that had pinched off, and that's why my arms... Uh, couldn't move, so they wow, gave me some they, steroids. And after my, a fall like that, they, they didn't check your back didn't at all. Follow up any? They did a little perfunctory X-ray that day, but you know, a lot of things on backs don't show up for months. Right. You know, That's true. So I was told to stay home that I was in too much pain, which didn't make sense because I was in a lot of pain. My boss looked at me. She goes, "You are just in too much pain. Go." home. She was a nurse too. And I was in pain. I thought, how did she know? Finally, I went through, I got a referral to, after talking with my doctor, and he gave me the, you're not going to get disability, you look too good, but you probably have fibro talk. He wouldn't even say the word fibro. He goes, he called it the F word because he didn't want it in my chart. He goes, you'll never get another job. You'll never get, it, it was before Obamacare. You'll never get insurance if I put this in your chart. You know, we don't want to go here, really. And I'm like, you don't understand, it can't work. It can't work. My uh, job knew they were gonna let me go. And when I was looking through the computer, while I was going through all these tests with this neurologist, all the tests that you and your husband have already been through, I was looking in the computer in March, trying to see what it was I could still do at Condolette, and I saw my job listed. So I guess I was fired. Right. Or let go or something, but nobody said anything to me at all. They just had a drive-by where an employee who lives out here dumped a cardboard box with some of my stuff from my office in the driveway and kept going. It was weird. And I think, they were, afraid of, I think they were afraid of getting sued. But I already talked to a lawyer, and I, I didn't have a case because I had used workman's comp. Mm. If I hadn't used workman's comp, I could have sued. But because of the different legalities with workman's comp and I had used it, I yep. couldn't sue. So, okay, this Dr. Sullivan woman that was taking care of me, she saw I was an alcoholic, and she, she knew I was after drugs immediately. Oh, wow. You know, it didn't matter to her that I had over 20 years sobriety. It just didn't matter to her at all. Okay, and so the last 20, of your, 20 years of your life have no impact on nothing, who you are right now? Nothing. I'm an alcoholic, so I must be there after drugs. And it was, in fact, I was after drugs because I was in terrible pain, but that wasn't the point. I wanted to know why I was in pain. And you wanted that pain I relieved. Wanted, <laughs> and I wanted it fixed. Yeah. I didn't want it relieved. I wanted it fixed. Yeah. I know that feeling. And it couldn't be fixed. And so finally, I just left her because she was, make, she was saying I had peripheral neuropathy. I do not have peripheral neuropathy. My circulation is excellent. 
My nerves on the tips of my toes and fingers are excellent. Peripheral neuropathy means I'm going to start losing fingers and toes because I can't feel them, and, and that's just not the case. You know, I have pain in my legs and arms. That's right. different right. than peripheral neuropathy. I wanted to go see a pain. She referred me to a pain specialist, but the one she referred me to didn't have an opening for a year, and that was okay with her. Hmm. So I saw a hospice nurse I knew, and uh, I, I asked her, who's a good pain management doctor that I can get into quickly? I said, my doctor's referring me to somebody so-and-so, and I don't know him, and it's a year to get in. And she says, oh, that's ridiculous. She goes, here, call him. She gives me the doctor who's my doctor now, Dr. Gingrich. Mm -hmm. Dr. Gingrich had me, you know, take a little picture of a body and color on it where I hurt. So after I finished coloring in the whole body, and I had the migraines then too, so I mean, it was like head to toe. Yeah. And uh, I had no idea how much pain I was in until it was gone. I had no idea how much pain I'd been carrying around for years. Wow. Until it was gone. Well, that's how I felt with the depression. I had no idea how depressed I was until the, when I woke up and my antidepressant had kicked in. It's like in the Wizard of Oz when you go from colored to uh, black and white yep. colored. Yep. And it was like that. It was like, wow, it really is beautiful. Do you know what? My Who day knew? can shift that way. Yeah. You know, like it can shift from in color to black and white to in color. It's like now, that. See, I don't shift anymore. I'm stable. And I really like it like that. Okay, dear friends and family listeners, it's that time where we remind you to head over to studioids.com and sign up for our email list. You will receive all of the latest updates, releases, and information about our studio. Also, wherever you are listening, from whether it be iTunes or SoundCloud, please give us a comment, a like, and a share. Thank you for supporting our endeavor to open minds one show at a time. Take it away, Patty and Lex. Got this doctor. Yeah. He hands me this handout and I color it all up. And I go and see this guy and he's a hoot. Anyway, I just love this guy. He's in private practice for pain management. He used to be an anesthesiologist, and he still is, you know. And he's a real Luddite, too. You know, he's got, like, paper charts and stuff. And <laughs> he takes this paper, and he looks at it, and he looks at me, and he goes, if there wasn't HIPAA, he goes, I could show you that everybody's picture in their chart looks like yours, and you have fibromyalgia. He goes, I could do all kinds of things, and I could touch your 18 tender points and do all those things and say, yeah, you have fibromyalgia. He goes, but this picture tells me you have fibromyalgia. I said, okay, well, what do we do? And he was like, pain management. And he recommended medical marijuana. I said, no, I'm a sober alcoholic. I don't want that. He goes, okay. So he put me on oxycodone. So I was an oxycodone zombie for mm, about a year or two. No, it was horrible. Yeah. You have no emotions. You have no libido. You have nothing. You're just dead. And it didn't really cover the pain very well. It just kind of numbed you down to where you couldn't fight it so much. You know? Yeah, I was lucky and enough to have a rheumatologist tell me that narcotics are basically like throwing a blanket over a screaming child. The child's just going to scream louder eventually. Yeah, I, I don't agree at all, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I went ahead and stayed on oxycodone until my insurance wouldn't cover it anymore. Which, because I didn't know what else to do, I'm just, you know, kind of blindly stumbling along this path, figuring out how to live, or how to not live, or what is it you're what, supposed what to do. What are you doing, yeah. You know, and um, who am I, anyway, now that I'm doing this? And I'm not a nurse, and I'm not the strong, independent woman that I was, and, and what, what the fuck? You know? Thank you for saying that. Yeah, what the <laughs> I understand. Fuck? I'm actually kind of there right now. Yeah, like, what, where... That's just so, like, I don't even, didn't even know who I was. And, and I was in my 50s. And I had been so sure just a few months before. <laughs> the blessing was that my insurance wouldn't cover it. We switched to morphine, which it turned out I needed a smaller dose of morphine. I was able to get by on less medication. I felt much 
you know, morphine is a natural medication. It comes from poppies. It comes from heroin. And it's a natural medication itself, just like, uh, just like pot. And my body grabbed onto it, and it liked it. It did really well. That's I was awesome. I had more, I had more drive. I had more libido. So I've always been very sexual. Yeah, that was really too. distressing to me when the combination of the pain and the oxycodone flattened out my libido. That was really hard for me to take. And I tried a lot of different remedies, including taking Viagra and all kinds of stuff. Because, I mean, like, my sex life is very important to me. It always has been. Me too. I agree. And so I hated it that this had happened. So I wasn't really like I was before, but I was better. But the day I said, what are we going to use for breakthrough pain? And he said, well, you, I have some small-dose morphines. I'm proud to say I've probably taken six of them in my life because I don't really want to, because I don't want to go up my morphine because I don't want to stop breathing. Yeah, definitely. But it made such a huge difference on the pain, but I still had pain. See, it isn't just narcotics that your pain will outgrow. Your pain will just outgrow whatever. It's a snowball. Yeah, it just will do that. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Before, it would drive me crazy to be sitting in pain while stuff was going on. And sometimes it's starting to get irritable, and I'll think, oh, I'm irritable. I'm in pain. Okay, I need to do something. And I actually notice the irritability first. You know, you, you kind of get used to the backdrop. It sounds depressing, but it's a blessing. You get used to the backdrop of kind of low-level pain. Because I wasn't able to enjoy a lot of things besides sex. Right. Beauty, fragrance, affection. Love. I mean, when you're all wrapped up in pain, those are not on your mind. No. How cute your kid is. How funny your old dog is. How wonderful your husband is. Pretty hard to stay there when you're in pain all the time. Yeah. And you're exhausted. You're fucking exhausted, too. That's the other thing I do with. I, I use uh, espresso-like medicine. I used to have to have coffee to wake up. So coffee, do you know that there's actually something in coffee beans that they say is not good for fibromyalgia? I never really believe any of that crap. I know. I go with what, how my body accepts it. Was The tummy was saying the coffee was hurting it. Not anything else, mm -hmm. just the tummy. But what I have found is in the afternoon, about 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, when I'm getting ready to walk the dogs and I'm all sluggish, a shot of espresso, I can tolerate it by then. I've had food in my stomach and everything. Yeah. I can go to the meeting or I can do something. So I, I, that's what I mean. I use espresso like medicine. That's awesome. I don't drink it like coffee anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have these little cups, because I just need a little bit. I don't need very much. I would, If you had told me 10 years ago, I was going to give up coffee in the morning. Right. <laughs> I probably, yeah, ask lots. It's been a long journey of me giving it up, but I've finally given it up. I love coffee. I, mean, I do, too. I still do, and I love it's the fantastic. smell of it and mm -hmm. everything awesome. about it, but uh, I don't need it anymore, and that's pretty amazing. You know, I used to get a migraine when I wouldn't drink it. Yeah. So they diagnosed you with fibromyalgia, and then what happened? And then he got me on the medicine, oxycodone, and that was experience. And I was also on Lyrica, which made me gain like 25 pounds oh, yeah, that's so of sad. fat. I've never been that heavy in my life. So, I mean, that was not adding to the self-esteem. I'd look at these photographs, and there was this unfamiliar, pudgy, middle-aged woman there. Who the fuck was that, you know? And <laughs> I know that. I got it up to 270 me. pounds. Yeah, it I wasn't was like, me. Who yeah. am I? Yeah, where did the beautiful girl go? Yeah. You know, come on. God gives us his beauty. We owe it to the world to show it off as best as I possible. Agree. So they told me I had a trauma-induced fibromyalgia. Yeah. That the fall was the trauma, and it triggered this. That's why I was hurting so bad every day since it happened. I'll never forget how bad it hurt. You know, there have been times I've heard, I've tolerated patients with fibro and wondered if they were really in pain because you can't really see anything. And, mm -hmm. you know, I still am kind to them and stuff, and I believe them, but, you know, you just can't picture what it is. But, boy, when you feel it, hmm. that particular odd, cruel, burning pain that never goes away, and it makes yeah. you feel like you weigh, you're made of lead, too. Like and it's extremely isolating. Yeah, and you're so lonely. I felt very isolated that first two years because of the medications. The Lyrica made me really zombie-like, too, as well as fat. I felt like I was just gross. Yeah. And it was so hard to go to meetings because I was so humiliated about how I looked. I knew I looked drugged, and I hated it. And now I go there drugged all the time. They don't have a clue because my medicine now works like it should work. Right, so you and feel I more feel like, like a person. Myself. <laughs> 
Yeah. So Gingrich became my doctor. He's just the best guy, and he set me at ease about what I was doing. Do you get? Do you find yourself getting overwhelmed by being a caretaker? No, I. Now this is my job. This is where I go to work. It's cool that, like, mm -hmm. I love to hear you say that because people, mm -hmm. I keep getting a lot of pressure. You are well-educated mm -hmm. and you should be working. Yeah. And I'm like, you are fuck working. you, I am working. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? They don't know what your life's like. Yeah. You know, oh, my, push, yeah. my push got all done pushed out. He yeah. thinks that's what made me sick. Nothing's ever been easy for me, ever. You know, it's always been hard. Yep, me too. And I've always worked very, very hard. And he thinks I just push too hard once too often. I just become more and more of a recluse. The more the world intrudes in on me, the mm -hmm. more I pull away. It, you open your home to people too, yeah. you know? Like, that's the I thing. I like people to come over. It's like extremely isolating, but our home is open, so mm -hmm. come by anytime. Just because mm -hmm. I can't come meet you for lunch, you're always welcome in my home. You know, it's like, yeah. get over yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our friendship has to look different. Yeah, things have to change. People forget, and it's really interesting. I have a friend named Liz that comes over to see me, and first she came to see me as part of a volunteer thing she was doing, just, and we became friends so that she decided to come over and see me anyway. So here she's seeing me because I'm kind of like a lonely person at home, and that's her volunteer job. Then she's my friend, and she's looking at me. Now, look at this. I rested all day before she came because I wanted to enjoy her visit. And I got off, had my coffee so that I'd be both comfortable and awake, mm -hmm. you know, when she came, right? And we're sitting there talking, we're having a great time, and I'm feeling like my old self. And she goes, you know, you're really looking good. I think you're ready to go out and, like, do, some, do something in the world. And I'm like, you forgot, didn't you? <laughs> and I did give her this whole wrap. Here's what I did to get ready for this right. hour so that we could have fun. And then she's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, <laughs> it works. It does. Said, yeah, it does. It fools everybody for a while until mm -hmm. it wears off. I know. It's mm -hmm. it's hard for people to see. He'll have breakthrough pains and spasms. Terrible. Um, and, you know, and MS can be like that. It's not MS. They've rolled that yeah. out. He, he looks normal. He looks yeah, fine. He looks fine. But then all of a sudden, his whole body and face completely distort, and he's cramped okay. over and yelling because it hurts so bad. Yeah. And I remember seeing you sitting across the room in tears, happy mm. to be where you were, but in tears because it was so excruciatingly painful. It sucked. It just sucked. And it sucked to be that stoned on medication and not be getting relief. Right. You find yourself thinking, what next? I got all this crap on board. I can hardly feel who I am anymore, and it's not working. Right. And I think sometimes you get frustrated because I don't do things that you wish I would do that would make me, you think they would make me feel better, and I don't want to do them. Yeah. And, um, that is frustrating. You know, and it's hard to let people have their autonomy and still love them enough mm -hmm. to have compassion for them yeah. in their autonomy. Because you know, they gotta have. Or, I, I just mean, always take it too left. far, like too yeah. controlling, too you know, do what I'm saying, telling you to do right now. You know, you're not listening. <laughs> I know, I get like that. With, he's wiser than I am, actually, and he <laughs> is older than me, and he's. But he has so, do you jump like that. meditate? Mm -hmm. What form of meditation do you find most successful for you? Lazy meditation. What is that? I just sit comfortably. However I want, I count breaths, and uh, it puts me in a place where I eventually I usually stop counting, and I'm just quiet, and I'm in a place of, of peace. Okay. Isn't that what you do, Bruce? No, what I do is I get some tools huh? and some rocks. <laughs> Although you can meditate while working. Yeah. I have meditated yes. while working or while exercising. Like, I love to meditate while I'm swimming because that's a real... It's like a walking meditation. It's very rhythmic. The cadence of it. Very uh, yeah. soothing. That works well, too. So if you're not a sitter, there is walking meditation. I'm, tr I'm working on improving my sitting and resting meditation. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be comfortable. But not so comfortable you'll fall asleep. If I lay down, I'll fall asleep. 
Bruce suggests that I meditate at night to go to sleep because that's what I do. <laughs> I meditate. Mm -hmm. But usually I'll be sitting like this, but I'll be supported. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to sit up in a straight lotus or anything. And I just can't. I learned that when I was going to the Zen Desert Sangha, we just faced a wall. And you found whatever method you found worked for you while you faced a wall for 45 minutes. It's a really great place to go if you want to learn to meditate. It's at Fort Lowell near Campbell. Zen Desert Sangha, and it's free. Mm -hmm. And okay. they've got a website and stuff. I'll check so it out. I went, I went there because I didn't really have very good luck meditating. And I was trying all kinds of different stuff. And so I decided to tap in on some old tradition that's been lasting for a few millennia. <laughs> yeah, I, our, um, our third podcast was us talking about like the different adventures in meditation that we've had. And I've just, I've never put a lot of energy into well, it. Well, that a and... fun one to podcast about because you go into the sangha and you take your shoes off outside because they don't have any shoes inside. You go in and you'll see people bowing before they enter meditation room. There's an altar in front with Buddha sitting on top of it and usually some flowers. And then you just, there's a lot of pillows on the floor. They're called zafus. And you pick your place where you want to sit. And you usually start by facing the wall, just quietly sitting. And then they take you through uh, some short chants to Buddha. And then you sit and you face the wall. And you meditate for like 20 minute increments. And then they hit a stick together on a little sounding. It's a nice wood instrument, actually. Everybody gets up and walks mindfully in a single file around the room. You practice mindful walking, being aware of your walk. And you can go around the room, I think, three times. And you end up by your zafu. It's kind of like musical chairs. Nice. <laughs> you sit back down for another 20 minutes and do another 20-minute wall sit. And then they have a little thing to break it up and you go home. It's all set out, so you don't have to decide anything, and that's what made it easy for me. I could just, like, have the back of my mind listening for the instrument that they're going to click together to tell me what to do next. I didn't that's have to worry awesome. about time or anything. I'm totally going to check it out. Yeah, it helped me learn how to meditate. There's one here I could be going to in Tubac, but I'm, I'm not as motivated now. I already know how. I'm just trying to live this life. I get this, I get this one life to live. And I got this pain problem, and I want to enjoy my one life that I get to live. I want to have a good time. Yep. <laughs> I agree. Tell me the most powerful and uplifting way that this has changed you. Well, the illness in general has, it's done what illness has always done for me. I think, you know, when I had rheumatic fever, that made me a good nurse because I knew what it was like to lay on crummy, itchy sheets and, and wait a long time to go to the bathroom because you're not supposed to get up. And you know, I learned all that when I was a kid. And, and this has taught me even more about being kind to myself with my own limits instead of judging myself and calling myself lazy or stupid or not trying hard enough or... You know, what's wrong with me now? Uh, you know, I've, I have learned to be kinder to others. And I think that's been really important to recognize. Because um, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to be self-centered. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's true. been really huge for me to realize we're all carrying some kind of suffering. We all are. It's true. You know, I like that, that. That works really well for me. Imagine how this would be for us if we didn't have any solutions. We don't have solutions, so this is for Lex, at least. Mm -hmm. And so... But he could. It's difficult. We're getting there. He could. We he are could getting there. some solutions. For one thing, he's got to find out what he has. We're getting so, there. So it can be treated. And he's, he's got to have the pain under control and be able to sleep and be able to live without being in terrible pain all the time. I couldn't stand it. You know, people had to tell me things like rest, rest between things. Yes. I had to be told I didn't know that. Yep. And yes, that does mean you get less things done in a day, but you'll be able to tolerate doing them better. Yeah, I get resentful. I tell Bruce, I don't want to rest. I have things to do. You know? Lex says <laughs> that a lot. Like a baby. Drop dead, those things won't get done. So I tell Brucey, and he's wise. He listens and comes to bed. <laughs> I tell him, you, your junkyard will always be there. You've got a hot, sexy woman in here who's in the mood, and that mood may not last. That's right. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> 
That's right. Sex starts in five minutes, with you or without you. his <laughs> wife. <laughs> that is awesome. And I'm not so insecure that I feel like that I have to suffer just because of what people think. Yeah, no, you don't. No, just because of what people think. You know, if they love you and they've watched you suffer, like Bruce has watched me just screaming in pain, they don't want that for you. You know, it's really not there for me to make them have to watch that. No, not at all. No. Oh, I love you. Thank you so much. I love you too. And now, our cause of the month. So tell us a little bit about your situation. What, you know, what were you diagnosed with? I felt a lump in my breast doing a personal mammogram, which I never did, but for some reason I did that day. I found a lump. Um, it felt very angry and different than normal. So I, long story short, I went and got it looked at and um, it came back positive for breast cancer so I was diagnosed on March 7th at 7:19 in the morning on my way to work I got a call saying you know yes your test came out positive and as soon as you hear positive and breast cancer the rest of it is wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's like Charlie Are Brown sure? I bet um I am considered cancer free as of now yes nice congratulations yeah. thank you I'm going through reconstruction and what what does that mean for you Good, because I didn't want to ask, because I'm like, ah, uh, well, I'm assuming she's getting new boobs, but that's, exactly that's just me. Means. That's what, that's, yeah. Um, because of my, well, when I first heard I had the breast cancer, the first mm. thing I told my doctor was just take them. I don't want them, just take them if it's going to make it go away. I, but they really put a lot of thought into it, and they mm. make you really think about what you're going to do. Because of my age, they really wanted to just go ahead and do the double mastectomy, which is what I wanted. So we have this awesome opportunity as a community. So Amber does have health insurance and Mm -hmm. the health insurance has a deductible. And this is why we are trying to raise some money for Amber. She started the process to have um, reconstructive surgery because, you know, from all of her cancer treatment and everything, her deductible was full. But the process has gotten stretched out into this year. So now there's a new deductible. And she has to try and continue with this reconstructive surgery is going to have to pay out of pocket, basically, until that deductible is covered. And when we heard this, we really wanted to help out and just really like, oh, hey, there's a, there's a cause we can help out with, you know, save the boobies, save the tatas. Save the tatas. <laughs> well, we have a real life save the tatas situation here. Exactly. You this know? is extremely important. If you would like to hear Amber's full story please go to session two on Dear Friends and Family. You can check it out at studioids.com. Also, if you'd like to help us save the tatas, you can also check it out at studioids.com. All right, guys, this is that part of the show where we give you a little update on us. What's going on with our family, our kids, our business? What's going on everywhere with us? (laughs) (laughs) There's always something going on with us. Yeah, there's something always going on. You know, last week we talked about Lavana and her concerts, and we wanted to talk about the boys. The boys, man. They've been doing some awesome stuff, too. Like, they've been... Yes. AJ had a concert where it was mainly focused on dance. Their instructor was a Japanese dance specialist. Yeah, and that's cool. So they told this old Japanese story about the silkworms and making this beautiful silk for the empress. And there were four classes and each class told a part of the story. Yep. So it's really, really cool. They really focus on using movement in regards to arithmetic really yes so there's lots of math in what they do wow that's really cool yeah yeah and then just learning of control yeah right so there's lots of up and then down and then left and then right right so there's that 
contrast of movement nice. so that they're learning really good physical control. God, this is so cool. Yeah, I re- I love the OMA program. It's really amazing. Yeah, I really wish I could have gone. Unfortunately, our, our uh, daughter... <laughs> so i gave lavana the phone so that she could go up front because i was in the back and she could record the performance she recorded the class before aj's and she recorded the class after aj's but didn't record aj's (laughs) so lex didn't even get to see it yeah so i'm like no Shout out to any of you uh, moms out there who may have uh, been a part of this OMA program. If you have a copy of AJ's class, please send it to me. Stephanie Marquis, I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, guys, it it was really cool. I really wish I could have gone to AJ's concert, but I did get to see Devin's concert and that was an opera yes what an opera in first grade yes each class so there's four classes again and each class writes their own opera that is so cool they write the words they write the music they can pick from you know popular genres and then change the words so that it fits in and Devin was so excited about this performance and he I remember him practicing oh my like gosh, over and yes, over. For Mom, weeks. can we practice? Mom, can we weeks. practice? That can we practice? That can we practice? Mom, can we practice? But it's you like, know okay, what happened? Okay. You know what happened? What? There were kids that didn't show up. Really? Our elephant Devin picked up their lines without any problems. Nice. Yeah. That's so he so filled cool. in for other kids and I got to talk to the opera teachers afterwards and they adore Devin. They think that he was just fantastic and was able to pick up on things so easily and they were really shocked that he has to do first grade again. Yes. Oh, that guys. is our greatest battle with him right now. Yes, guys. So Devin is going to be repeating first grade. He For is For the only purpose of he is too young. Yes. He started school younger than he should have. That was my mistake. He just doesn't have the maturity level. Yep. And he's starting to get it. And I think I think this year in first grade, he's going to rock it. Totally. He's, he's going to be at the top it. of his class because he's already experienced yep, it. Yep. So I think it's going to be good for his self-esteem. And well, even and the, though right now he's like, I am not doing first grade again. Like, don't bring it up, please, because yeah. he will freak out. Yeah. So, but I mean, the, the thing about it is that, you know, they're going to start summer school on Monday. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Monday, June 1st. And so they're going to really get a leg up on this year. And, and Devin and AJ are both going to be yeah. doing summer school to just help them with the reading. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Exactly. <laughs> it's cool, though, man. Summer school has totally changed they have computer program that they're going to be doing they have a physical education program that they're going to be doing they have an arts and crafts program that they're going to be doing and this is summer school this is summer school man like oh oh god i I know i'm so jealous of their school (laughs) i I did summer school once when i think i was in like second or uh, yeah i think i was in second grade and man it was just like boring like just sitting in a class just doing work but i have a personal confession about this summer school thing what when the teachers came to me and they're like your kids need to go through summer school and i'm like sure no problem let's sign them up oh no so i sign them up and then i like go to the boys and i'm like boys guess what you get to go to summer school (laughs) and they're like what no No! i mean it was like this huge (laughs) battle and i personally i just couldn't understand i never got invited to come to summer school I thought it was like a privilege. Like, okay, no, I want to go baby, to summer school. Baby, the reason why is because you're a 4.0 student. Okay. Like you are a very brilliant woman. But it sounds so fun. I, to you, maybe. How? Like, I just don't get it. Why they're like, no, it's only like three weeks of their life. They get to ride a bus. They get breakfast and lunch and they get to see their friends. And they get to play <laughs> games and learn new things. Like... That sounds like a great time to me. I don't get it. You are I such a nerd. It. You are such a nerd. Only only you would think that would be fun. Anyways, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so yeah, the kids are going to be going to summer school. They start on Monday, June 1st. Except not Lavana. She's... Yeah, Lavana's not going. I mean, she's follows after her mom. 
But the cool thing about it is that the boys are, you know, like Patty said, they're going to get to ride a bus. And Devin's always wanted to ride a bus because he's always seen his big brother and his sister ride buses. So it's like, oh, I get to ride it's a bus. Fun. Yeah. So they need to just get over themselves. Yeah. So it, I think they're going to enjoy it. I really I do. do. Especially, I mean, everything you just told me. Come on. That sounds like a lot of fun. I would want to go to summer I want to go to summer. Uh, can I ride the bus with them? <laughs> I know. Right? It'll be a can nice I, break. Can I come? Can I I'll please? volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> and now our hero of the week. It's now time for this week's heroes. Woohoo, our heroes. So this week's heroes, and I got to say, I'm a little nervous because these guys are podcast veterans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our heroes this week are people that Lex and I have never met and yet have had a huge impact huge, on our lives, on our huge. daily yeah, lives. Yeah, every day. I mean, these people are part of our daily routine. Like, I mean, it's that's how... That's how much we listen to these people. So and every morning, we listen first to Shalene Johnson. Yep. And then... We listen to Pat Flynn. So Pat Flynn, the two shows that I listen to are Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat. And both are just a plethora of value as far as how to start your own business and how to do stuff online. And he has these amazing, amazing, amazing interviews with people that just completely really powerful people, really like who, powerful people who like, are like successful in the sense that what does Shalene say? What did she say yesterday? I am successful because I live by my own design. Yeah. How crazy and powerful is that? I discovered Pat Flynn first when I was laying in bed and not able to move. And I started to just kind of, you know, Patty handed me her iPad and was like, here, just, you know, try to look around. And I was kind of after I did inventory of my skills, I was like, all right, I can do audio stuff. And so I was looking into podcasts and I ran into Pat Flynn and man, like the whole smart passive income, the whole idea of making passive income Lex literally had one of those moments in where his brain went. Poof. Yeah, I was like, oh my, what? I can make money <laughs> in and bed. I, in bed. I can make money in bed. Like, how crazy is that? And so, honestly, after that point, I just started to do a ton more research because I was looking at his like monthly income reports. And I'm just like, dude, are you kidding me? I mean, this guy's making a grip of money off of podcasting. When I started to listen to his podcast, that's when I really started to like, okay, I, I started to fall in love with the guy because it was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, this guy's making a grip of money, but he's really honest. Yeah, he is very honest. He's extremely and honest. And he puts it all out there, man. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's a goofball, just just like us. I mean, we're, yeah. we're goofballs. And so I really, I really look up to the guy. And so... Definitely my hero, Pat Flynn. Thank you so much. Everything that you do, keep doing it. It's just amazing. Thank you. So as far as Shalene Johnson goes, she has had a huge impact for me. One of the things that I have struggled the most with in my life is my sense of confidence. Yeah. You know, Shalene is not somebody that I would normally gravitate towards. Like, <laughs> we're not exactly the same type of people, you know? But at the same time, you are. And yet, yes. And that is the beauty of the way that you and I have been going about life is because we always look for the similarities mm -hmm. and what we can gain from a situation. So the first time you introduced me to Shalene, you know, she's... She was this workout queen and you know, <laughs> fitness queen, blah, blah, blah. You know, just really, really upbeat, happy, great outlook on life. And, you know, when you suffer from depression, sometimes those kind of people just... Uh. <laughs> However, there is something very charismatic about Shalene that just has drawn me to her. And every time I don't resist... The situation, every time mm -hmm. I don't resist looking for answers from her, I find the answers. Yep. Now, here's a perfect example of resist. So yesterday, <laughs> we, we woke up and, you know, the kids were so amazing. They cooked us breakfast. And so we went and ate breakfast. And we have a thing that we say between me and Patty that, you know, waking up in fifth gear. Because usually if we don't do our morning routine, 
you just wake up and you're in that fifth gear and you're just going and going and going and, and going. you're off. Yeah. And so the whole, the whole like till about one or two o'clock in the afternoon, we were just not meshing. We're bickering. We were, just we were not in harmony. Not in harmony <laughs> whatsoever. And, we're, you know, and, and Patty and I just kind of looked at each other and went, there's something wrong. There's we, something off. We need to find an answer. Yes. And so I open up iTunes to open up one of our podcasts. <laughs> we're podcasters man yeah. we turn to podcasting when we need an answer like it's just what we do it's part of our business exactly and so put on uh pat flynn and i just it wasn't it in. wasn't right so then i was like all right i'm going to check out shalene johnson so i open up build your tribe and right there the number one thing is meditation for people who resist and I was like, no, that is not what we're listening to. That is not our problem. We've been talking about meditation so much. Like, that is not the answer. Move on. Exactly. And so meanwhile, meanwhile, I mean, there's like a ray of sunshine hitting this thing on the computer saying, this is the one you need to listen to, Lex. This is the one. And so, Pat, so what does Patty do? Patty makes him put on something else. Yeah. So we put on something else. And, and it wasn't right. And it wasn't right. And I'm like, all right, babe, this is how it was yesterday. We just weren't mixing well resisting. enough. Yeah. We were resisting each other so much that we just weren't blending enough to listen to each other. And I was like, babe, trust me, this is the one. This is, it's just calling to me. This is the one we need to listen to. And so when we listen to it, all of a sudden, Patty's like, <laughs> Oh my God. She just immediately starts talking about how if like her morning routine is thrown off that it can completely throw off her day. And I just like look at Lex and I'm like, our morning routine was thrown off. Yep. And so (laughs) like we got to reset, you know, it's just those little things. And for whatever reason, Shaleen has just been a very powerful force in our life. And man, that woman has affected, affected affected infected my confidence level oh yeah like i walk out into the world with a smile on my face and it works Uh uh-huh so we're going to be starting her 30-day challenge i encourage everybody to just go to her website shalenejohnson.com and check her out she has a very powerful message to share and shalene thank you you have given me amazing gifts inside myself and you are a hero to me Thank you so much. Our heroes. Woohoo! Yeah. (laughs) So if you have somebody in your life, if you were struggling through a really hard time and somebody just sort of stepped in and saved your day. Saved your butt. (laughs) (laughs) We want to hear about that person. Send us your messages and maybe your hero will be recognized on our show. Thank you so much for listening. It has been such a great show. I know we've gone a little bit longer than we normally do, but totally worth it. I think it was worth it. Totally worth it. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) worth it. I think we did. I I think this was a great, great, great show. Jan, you are an inspiration to me, and I am so grateful for the words that you shared with me in your beautiful garden. Thank you so much, and I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thank you. Sincerely, Lex and Patty.